Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by missionary and student from India, Wisdom Nayak. It was given on November 21st, 2021, during our Sunday evening service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our Awana program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. So yes, uh, I just want to thank God for um, how... He connects people. I'm just, I'm here tonight um, by God's, how uh, he put me here in his providence. I thank God for Ben. He's my housemate um, down in Lynchburg. And uh, through him, I uh, came to know the Kravitz family. And through the Kravitz family, I came to know about uh, Pastor Richie and this church. So it's just amazing how God connects people. And uh, um, it's, I don't believe that it's just by coincidence or something. And I believe to be a blessing to you, and not only a blessing, but also a challenge to you all this evening. And uh, yes, my name is Wisdom Nayak. Again, I'm from India, going back to India. I don't know why I put that picture up there, but uh, I just feel like uh, I look good in that picture, amen? <laughs> Um, India is a country in uh, Southeast Asia, and uh, the population is 1.3 billion people. And about 84% of the total population are Hindus. And according to Hinduism, they believe they have about 333 millions some gods and goddesses. Like everything is God in India. Cow is a god. Rat is a god. Snake is god. River, water is God. People gather in um, this river called uh, the Ganges, and they take dips in the river, believing that it will forgive their sins. And they carry with them gallons, and they fill that gallon with that water, and they take back to their houses and uh, sprinkle it around the house, believing it will cleanse and purify their house. And I don't know what this guy is doing right there. Um, that guy and this lady, they are trying to get blessing from that cow. And that lady is risking the life of her child, trying to get blessing for her child from that cow. And this is a chariot that runs uh, in the state of Odisha where I was born. And uh, millions of people gather just to see the chariot or get a view or glance of that chariot or if possible to touch the chariot. And these are the three gods in that chariot. As you can see, they don't have hands, they don't have legs. All they have is a big head with big eyes. And can you just imagine, these are just the three. And they believe they have about 333 millions of those gods and goddesses. We believe that while there are many people groups who are 
unreached, but they are not unreachable. I thank God for churches, Calvary Baptist, that support missions. I thank God for Memorial Heights, churches like this that support missions. And I thank God for missionaries who give up their uh, comfort, give up their life, give up their friends, families, and come come to an unreached part of the world just to share the gospel. A group of British and Canadian missionaries, they came to India in the early 1900s, and uh, through their medical camps, they reached my great-great-grandfather, who was a Brahmin, who came from a Hindu priest family, and they shared the gospel to my great-great-grandfather. God saved him, and he became the first Christian of our family. His son, my great-grandpa, God saved him, and he uh, became uh, the second Christian from our family, also the first preacher from our family. His son, my grandpa, he's uh, still living. He's 76 years old. Um, he is still trying to preach as long as he lives. My dad moved as a missionary to Northeast India 28 years ago. And by God's grace, God has used him to plant 60 churches in Northeast India. And this is my family, uh, me, myself, uh, my mom, my dad. I have two sisters. Uh, their names are Gracie and Glory. And this is one of the first churches uh, that my dad started in the um, border of Bhutan. <coughs> and uh, um, after I graduated from my high school, I entered my first year of college. My dad allowed me to travel with him. And I traveled with him. I, I was helping him, like clicking photos and providing food and providing uh, traveling, like driving for him. And uh, um, this is how we do evangelism in India. We go to different villages and we uh, share the gospel and share about Jesus. And many people have not even heard who Jesus is. There, there was a man, we asked him, do you know Jesus? He said, I've been living in this village for my entire life, but I've never heard anyone by that name. If you go to a, the next village, which is about three miles, you may hear, you may, you may find someone by that name. And that's how unreached some of the parts in India are. And this is how we do uh, our baptism in India. Uh, we don't have baptistries like you do here in the States. Uh, so we do it in the local river. Uh, but we first make sure there are no alligators in the river. <laughs> and um, this is the Food for Hungry program that we started in India. In India, we um, uh, have this law called anti-conversion law, according to which we cannot convert or attempt to convert one person from one religion to another. So um, through this feeding program, we go out on Fridays and Saturdays, we feed the people and call them back uh, to the church on Sundays, and we are allowed to preach to them inside the church, but not outside the church. And we feed them again after the service. So this is our feeding uh, uh, program after the service. And this is our uh, church family. God has uh, blessed us with a beautiful church auditorium. Um, and uh, this is one of the recent pastors' conference we had. Um, right now, uh, six, more than 60 pastors and evangelists are working uh, with us, and uh, we have fellowship with them. Um, we used to have fellowship almost every month before COVID, but now uh, we do it quarterly, and we feed them and we um, celebrate the work that God is doing, and we hear reports from them. And most of our pastors are laborers in the tea garden. 
they work for eight hours a day and earn less than two dollars. And that's their living. And they walk for miles to visit, to attend the church and do their visitation. And God provided us with uh, funds to provide bicycles for our pastors. And we were able to provide 60 bicycles to our 60 pastors. And they are working right now with us <coughs> independently. And uh, they uh, do not have anyone supporting them. They just work. And however God provides, we just act as a medium to provide them funds and um, pray for these pastors. $2 a day, $60 a month would uh, at least provide them a uh, meal for the day. And that, that's um, not um, a lot to ask, but uh, um, please pray for these pastors that as they are doing um, the mission, you can help and stand behind them to like, reach many unreached parts of the country. And uh, these are um, the widows that my mom is um, helping right now. She's helping 70 widows. And uh, a widow is considered as a curse in India. Something was wrong in you, that's why your husband died. Now, if you stay in my family, if you stay in my home, you will bring that curse to my family. And she is kicked out of the house, live by your own, just die by your own. And that's how a widow is abandoned. And my mom is uh, trying to reach this widow with the love of Christ. And a uh, few years back, uh, God provided us funds to provide um, shoes and clothes to these widows. And you can see the pictures there. And uh, this is the Bible college that we are building right now. Um, uh, it, 90 percent of the first two floors is already done and it will be a three-story building so we are praying for uh, 30,000 more dollars uh, for the finishing of this building so please keep this uh, project in your prayers uh, we were able to start the home of uh, hope for boys um, the building uh, earlier we saw the three-story building it's the uh, bottom floor is the church building the middle floor is the fellowship hall and the top floor is the orphanage building. That's where we started the Home of Hope for Boys. And uh, we started with 10 boys in the beginning of this year. We were able to add six more boys. And uh, we need, uh, we have the capacity to keep 40 boys. So we need $60 that will take care of the food, education, and accommodation of one child. So please uh, uh, keep this uh, orphanage in your prayers as well. And as we are filling out our Home of Hope for Boys, we are also praying about uh, building and starting a girl's orphanage. And uh, a girl is treated as a liability in India because of the sati system, because of the dowry system. She is either aborted before she is born or abandoned after she is born. And they end up in se uh, sex trafficking end up in human trafficking and we have this burden to start um, this home of hope for girls we were initially planning on buying a land and building a separate building for them but since the land price has gone up and uh, some of uh, the people started giving money towards this project we didn't want to hold up the money so we started uh, building um, doing the foundation work at the same church compound in the front side of the uh, church building so this is the construction we have already started and uh, we are praying for uh, $40,000 for the finishing of the first floor of the building. So please keep uh, this project in your prayers as well. So what is uh, 
my vision or what is the vision of our ministries? Now, I preached a message on Elisha and Elijah this morning at Calvary Baptist. And I always um, say this, that uh, I pray for what, the double portion of what my, like, God did with my dad. If God used my dad to plant 60 churches, let him use me to plant 120 churches, 180 churches. And this is our vision through the home of hope um, to rescue the kids who are living in different communities, to restore their lives by prayerfully asking God to change their lives and intentionally preparing them for the ministry and recruiting them back as missionaries in their communities. So this is how um, our vision is to plant 60 more churches by 2030. So please um, keep all these pro projects in your prayers. Uh, I'm going back to India in May of 2022, next year in about seven months. And I will be working with my dad and serving with our church um, for the summer and coming back in fall. Um, so please pray for those pastors. If you decide to support those pastors, all your support will directly go to the pastors. If you uh, decide to support for the orphanage, all your support will um, directly go to the orphanage. And I'm also um, looking for support, trying to build up my monthly support as well. Missionaries are broke, okay? <laughs> and so are students, uh, some kind of double broke. But <laughs> um, if you decide to support me as well, and uh, let me see how many of us pray for wisdom. Yes, whenever you pray for wisdom, pray for wisdom as well. <laughs> and thank you so much. Uh, that's all my presentation. And if you have your Bibles, please uh, open with me to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. And we'll start our reading in verse 3 this evening. And I always say this before I start preaching. Uh, what Elizabeth Taylor told to her eighth husband. I won't keep you long. <laughs> so I won't keep you long this evening. I'll be quick. Um, Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she break the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you for allowing me to be here to present, to bring a message from your word. Lord, as I share, I need your help in this few moments to anoint me, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask you to meet 
the needs of each heart in this building. Lord, I pray that your will be done, your way be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> this is one of those passages that is mentioned in all the four Gospels. Like the feeding of the 5,000 is mentioned in all the four Gospels, but in a little different way. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they present uh, the feeding of the 5,000, they record it in a little different way. And the anointing of Jesus is also mentioned in all the four Gospels, but in a little different way. If we read all the four Gospels, we'll find similar details regarding there's a woman, there's an alabaster jar, there's a fragrant ointment, and there is an anointing. But if we study and go deep into all the four passages, and if a Bible student or a Bible scholar goes deeper into studying those passages, he will come to this conclusion that there are three separate anointings at three separate locations with three different characters using three different methods at three separate times with four different attitudes being displayed by the observers for many different reasons. I will therefore refrain from solving that matter and I just want to bring a challenge from this passage this evening. I want us to go to one more passage. Um, it's in John chapter 12. It's a similar passage recording the similar event and I want us to read from um, verse 1. It's, it's always good to have dif different perspectives, amen? Um, if you ask uh, the preachers in the area, you would say, oh, wisdom is a good preacher or something like that. Or if you ask my sisters, oh, there was a wisdom is the most annoying, most irritating brother in the whole world. Or if you ask some girls back in the college, oh, there was, oh wisdom is the most handsome. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's always good to have different perspectives. And let us uh, see what John has to say. In verse 1, chapter 12, that Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying, had she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Let us go back um, to Mark chapter 14. We'll come back to chapter 12 in a little bit. Um, this scene is in Bethany, just a few miles east of Jerusalem. And Jesus is soon about to experience the passion. And he um, decides to hang out at Simon's house. Simon was once a leper. Most probably he was healed of that horrible disease by Jesus. And out of his gratefulness, he has allowed Jesus to spend and fellowship in that um, at, at his house. And in John chapter 11, if we see uh, Lazarus was dead and now he is alive. 
And now they are kind of, I believe they're kind of having a victory celebration. We see uh, Jesus is there, Lazarus is there, Simon is there, and we see Mary and Martha in the scene. And there are many other men gathered in that building. And all of a sudden, there comes a woman with an alabaster jar, an expensive perfume. She goes to Jesus, she breaks that, and she pours it on Jesus. And the moment she did that, she hears a chorus of criticism which was led by Judas. Judas, it, it was a complete waste. That did not serve anything good. That did not uh, put clothes on anyone's back. That did not feed anyone. That did not serve anything good. That was a complete waste. Now, while Judas called it waste, Jesus calls it worship. Amen. While everyone criticized her, Jesus commended her. Now, look at what Jesus said in verse 6. Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. And he continues to say in verse 9, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. In other words, Jesus is saying, you have done a good work on me, and you have done such a good work on me that I will never forget, and I will never let anyone forget what you have done for me. Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached, this also that you have done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And here we are, 2,000 years later, speaking of what Mary did for Jesus. Now, what is that that made Jesus commend Mary in that way? To what extent do I have to go in my service, in my Christian life, to hear those words from God? I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. But to what extent do I have to go in my Christian life? To what extent do I have to go in my service to the Lord that I can hear those words? That you have done a good work on me and you have done a work of eternal significance. Now what did Mary do? The answer is right there in verse 8. She had done what she could. That's it. She had done what she could. I just want to uh, bring a very simple message. It's not a very uh, theologically packed. I'm not a theologian or uh, something. Uh, I just want to bring a very simple message from that, uh, from this passage, from taking my thoughts from that simple statement. She had done what she could. Number one, do what you can. Amen. Mary and Martha, they were two sisters. And their family was broken, and now their family is restored. Their brother was dead. He is alive. Both of them, Mary and Martha, they are filled with love, filled with gratitude for Jesus. Now, if you say you love someone, you have to express it through your actions. You cannot just say, I love you, Lord, or something, and... Your heart is far away, as Isaiah says. Like if you say that I love you, oh how I love Jesus, it has to be expressed in your life, in your lifestyle. Amen. Now, the Bible says Martha served. Martha served in different passages. Now why would the Holy Spirit uh, uh, make such an emphasis on recording Martha served, Martha served? 
I believe Martha was a super practical lady of that time. She was good in cooking. She was good in cleaning. She was good, good in serving people, showing hospitality. But the Bible doesn't say anything about Mary. Maybe she was a dumb, just like my sisters. <laughs> I call them dumb sometimes because uh, they split my name into two, wisdom. It's wise and dumb. So <laughs> but maybe Mary was thumbs when it comes to getting things done. But even she had to do something in order to express her love, to express her gratitude for what Jesus has done for her brother and for her family. And now she did not just stand there and say that I'm going to go to this particular training, train for six months, how to clean, how to serve, how to show hospitality. Then I will come back and then I will serve Jesus. She was not waiting to serve Jesus. She was not waiting to show her love, show her gratitude for Jesus. She had to do something. Now all of a sudden she remembers somewhere she had uh, the uh, ointment hidden in a room and she goes to that room, she brings that ointment, she breaks it, she pours it on Jesus. Everyone criticized her. No one commended her. Jesus did. I want us to notice what Mary did was already in her possession. And what God wants from you and I is already in our possession. Amen. But the question is, are we doing what we can? Are we doing what we can? He has given us the time, talents, treasure in order to serve him. But the question is, are we doing what we can? I remember during the um, Christmas time, just before Christmas, we used to go to our uh, dad and uh, me and my sisters, we asked some, for some money and uh, he used to give us some money and we used to go to the store and buy some gifts and we, uh, for our dad and we wrapped it and we wrote a card from Wisdom, Gracie and Glory, uh, Merry Christmas. And we went to our dad on Christmas morning and said, Dad, 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 this is the gift that we bought for you. With your money. <laughs> we didn't say that, but we said, Dad, this is the gift that we bought for you. Do you know what we were doing that Christmas morning? We were just giving back Dad what he had given us Amen. in the first place. What God wants from you and I, he has already given us in the first place. He has given us the spiritual gifts. If you are saved tonight, he has given you a spiritual gift in order to serve him. He has given us with time, talents, treasures. But the question is, are we doing what we can? If you remember um, Elisha, I'm preaching on Elisha this all day today. This widow went to Elisha and she asked, God, I mean, Master, my husband died and he left a great debt on our family, on my family. And now the creditors are come. They are going to enslave my uh, kids and they're going to take, make money out of them. 
you know, she asked for help. And Elisha asked, what is in your house? And this widow says, thine handmaiden hath nothing. Just a pot of oil. And she's even embarrassed to mention that she has a small pot of oil. And now Elisha tells this widow, tell your sons to go and borrow barrels from your neighbors and tell them not to borrow a few. And they did exactly what Elisha said. They went inside the room. They started filling out the barrel. And the Bible says they filled each of the barrels. They paid off the debt. And they lived for the rest of their life. What is in your house? Are we doing what we can? If you remember the story of Moses, Moses called uh, God called Moses to lead his people, lead his nation, to deliver his nation. Moses gave seven different reasons why he can't do it. God, I can't even speak. You should look for someone else. I'm not worthy for what you're calling me to do. Just, just look for someone else. And God asked, what is that in your hand? Moses even made an excuse out of it. This is just a piece of wood load that I broke years ago, and I'm just using this to um, chase off the wolves, pull off the sheep. This is just a piece of wood load. And God said, put that stake down. And that stake became the rod of God. What is in your hand? What is in your house? I remember the story of a little girl. She was uh, walking uh, by the seashore and she uh, saw some starfishes. They were dying and she wanted to save their lives. And she started to pick up the fishes and throw them back into the water. And as this little girl was throwing them back into the water, there come a man and he yelled and asked this girl, hey girl, what are you doing? And this girl said, I'm trying to save this fish's life. And the man yelled back again and said, but you can't save them all. I love what this girl said. I can't save this one. I can't save this one. I can't save this one. There are billions of people in India. I may not be able to reach everyone. I hope God uses me in that way to reach everyone. But even if not, am I being faithful in reaching this one? Am I being faithful in reaching this one? There are thousands of people in Bedford County. There are thousands of people in um, this town, in this city. All of them don't go to church. Your job is not done yet. Are you faithfully reaching this one? Have you been praying for your neighbor? Have you, furrowing, have you been furrowing the ground by serving your neighbor? Have you been plowing, have you been planting the seed by sharing the gospel? Have you been doing what you can? I'm just bringing a challenge from the word of God. Are we doing what we can? Number one, do what you can. Number two, do all that you can. Do all 
that you can. The clay, the perfume was stored in such a clay jar that uh, the worth of it was increased by the length of its preservation. And it was not saved in a bottle like this or that you can measure some and you can use some and keep some for later. She, the uh, Bible doesn't say anything um, description about Mary. Maybe she was, uh, she had saved that for her wedding or for her old age that she can live off it. But when she went to the Lord, when she made her heart right with the Lord, when she saw her family being restored, she could not help but break the box and pour it on Jesus. She did not hold any drop back. When she saw Jesus, when she wanted to serve, the Lord, she just gave her all. Pastor, do you ever uh, go with the ushers down the aisle while the offering is being collected? I don't think you do. If you try it, it may double up the offering. <laughs> Jesus was standing right beside the treasury and was watching everyone what everyone is giving. And there came businessmen, there came rulers, there came governors, everyone from that city, and they started giving up the tithes of offerings and their shares, their gifts, and Jesus is watching each one of them. And now there comes a widow with just two mites in her hand, and she just throws in that box. Jesus is watching that widow. And when that widow put that two mites, and when she's turning and going back, Jesus stops and tells, the worth of what you have given is way more than what everyone else has given putting together because she gave her all. God not only expects but demands our all. When Amen. I, if I am honest enough standing from this holy pulpit, I would say that I fail most of the time to give my all. But that is what God expects. That is what God demands. And I believe uh, God is not going to judge us on the basis of what we have done. But he's going to judge us on the basis of what we could have done if we had given God the opportunity to use our times, our talents, our treasures in, and by giving him our all. Do what you can. Do all that you can. And last, do it now. Amen. If we remember the resurrection morning, we will find um, three or four ladies, women, on their way to the tomb. And if you just step in front of them and ask, hey, ladies, where are you going? They would say something like this. Our Lord God was crucified the other day, and we were not able to anoint his body. Now, in Jewish culture, a body had to be anointed before his or her death if that person was showing some kind of sickness and about to die or after the death. But the anointing was necessary in Jewish culture. And now these ladies, they are on their way with the perfumes, with the oil and everything, all the gifts that they had. And when they reached the tomb that resurrection morning, the stone was rolled. Maybe they were expecting that they would go and ask the Roman soldiers to remove the stone and they could anoint Jesus' body. 
But the time they reached, the stone was rolled, the tomb was empty. All of their gifts, all of their oils, expensive perfumes, their time, their talents, their treasures, everything went in waste. I'm challenging you, I'm challenging myself, I'm challenging us this evening. Are we doing what we can while we can? Are we doing what we can and are we doing it now? Everything went in waste that resurrection morning. Are we letting our time, letting our talents, letting our treasures go in waste? And I want to um, just point out one more uh, thing in John chapter 12. Let us turn to John chapter 12. And while you're turning, I want to say that the missionary that shared the gospel to my great-great-grandfather, he never knew that his fifth generation, his great-great-grandson would be standing and preaching in different churches here in the States and preaching the gospel, testifying of God's goodness. A simple act of obedience has farther reaching consequences than you and I can ever imagine. Are we doing what we can? Are we doing all that we can? And are we doing it now? <coughs> I want us to see in John chapter 12, Mark says Jesus anointed the head of Jesus. I mean, uh, Mark says Mary anointed the head of Jesus, poured the oil on the head. John says uh, Mary poured the ointment on Jesus' feet. I don't know exactly what happened, but it might have happened. Uh, she poured the ointment on Jesus' head. The oil traveled all through the body, and it is about to touch the ground. And I believe she was not prepared. She, if she was prepared, she would have come with a towel to wipe off the extra oil. And she did not even know that she was um, anointing Jesus' body for his bearing. Jesus confirms it. She has come to anoint my body beforehand, beforehand to the bearing. And she is in a hurry. She did what she could. She just break the box, anointed him, and now she sees the oil about to touch the ground, and she does not have a towel. And she decides to make a towel out of her hair. Amen. And I, the hair of a woman is considered as her glory. The moment she did that, she gave all her glory to the Lord. Look at, uh, what's it? Uh, in verse 3 of John chapter 12, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled. She emptied herself on Jesus. She gave all her glory to Jesus. And was she left empty? The Bible says the house was filled. The hearts were filled with the presence of Jesus. Are we doing what we can? Are we doing all that we can? Are we doing it now? And are we doing it for God's glory? Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for helping me, Lord, take what has been sowed and multiply. Lord, bless this time of invitation. 
and speak to your hearts, deal with your hearts, and move in the hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and you would like to know how, please give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.